Welcome to the Inspiring Educators Podcast, a space where you can let go, learn, laugh, and be inspired. Let's first begin with introductions of our Inspiring Educators. Inspiring Educators, introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. It's Lila. Excuse my voice <laughs> this week. Coming to you from L.A., um, my Twitter handle being Miss Lila Noor at M-S-L-A-I-L-A-N-U-R. I'm currently the CPM Regional Coordinator for LAUSD, as well as this is my sixth year as a Math for America master teacher, and I'm currently teaching at an all-girls middle and high school. This week, I am thankful for restorative justice circles. Um, our ninth graders were going through a lot last week and we brought them together to have a circle just to figure out what was going on. It started off rough, but when I tell you the four hours we spent talking to those 50 girls was so moving and so beautiful and so overwhelming. But I mean, once people start, I mean, we went through about four or five boxes of tissues. Everybody put it on the table. They expressed how they felt and they got it out there and you can just feel the weight lifting off of everybody and really, really, really grateful um, for that moment that we have with those ninth graders um, and their ability to kind of feel like they were overcoming some of the things that they had on their heart. That's amazing. Hello everyone. Again, uh, Coach Jay here, Jadrian Grimes. My Twitter handle is J-A-D-R-I-E-N-G-R-I-M-E-S. Make sure you hit me up. Uh, worked 13 years here in Atlanta in banking and now transitioning to a career in youth development and education. What I'm grateful for uh, this week, more specifically today, um, I'll get a little personal. Today is my mother's 65th birthday. So I'm so uh, thankful to her um, that God saw fit for her to be here today to celebrate her 65th birthday. She is my absolute biggest cheerleader that I have in my life, in my corner, and I love my mother to death. So I'm thankful for her. So shout out to my mom celebrating her 65th birthday today. Ooh, happy birthday, mom. Ooh, happy birthday, mom. Mm -hmm. I'm Dr. Christopher J. Childs, the academic rock star. I'm a national mathematics content specialist. My Twitter handle is at drkchilds, at drkchilds. This week I am grateful for... Andrew Gillum. He's running for governor here in the great state of Florida. And this is why I'm grateful for Andrew. I like a lot of his issues, his platform, but I really like his platform in regards to education. He wants to invest $1 billion in schools, start teachers at 50,000 and increase vocational training. So that's yes, my, sir. that's what I'm grateful for this week. Andrew Gillum running yeah. for Florida governor. Get out and vote. If this is an election year for you all in the midterms, make sure you get out and vote. Your vote Absolutely. matters. This week's hot topic is arming teachers, arming teachers, and not arming teachers with just textbooks, but arming teachers with weapons, guns, however you want to describe it. As we think about arming teachers, research has shown that increased gun access and gun possession are not associated with the protection from violence, which suggests that increasing the presence of guns in the hands of civilians in schools, no matter how well intention may backfire. So what do you all, you all think about arming teachers? 
I, I disagree. Um, I think more uh, resources should be allocated to, you know, mental health, um, wellness centers, potentially um, in schools. Um, I don't, I, teachers need to teach, I think. Now, I am not against if we find a type of way or find the resources where we could put a hired security person that knows what they're doing, that specializes in that field in schools. I'm not against that. I don't know the costs associated with doing that. Um, I know we throw around dollars a lot here, um, especially with these elections coming up, but I don't think we need to arm teachers. I think teachers need to teach. They have enough on their plate already. Um, and that's what I think for starters. Yeah, absolutely not. That's a no for me, big dog. I, I don't, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. I, I, I don't, I, I agree with the sentiments that I could only see this backfiring. If we feel the desire, the need to arm teachers, then who else wants to have guns? The person that worked, the barista at Starbucks want to have a gun, homegirl at Marshall's wants a gun now. Like, because I mean, these are all places that could potentially, you know, be in danger in terms of somebody wanting to go in and be an aggressor. And where do we stop if everybody, I just don't feel like as my place as an educator for what I'm trying to do, that I should be walking around with a weapon, regardless of what area I'm teaching in, the high needs, the 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 low income, I, it really doesn't matter. The energy you put out to kids is what you're going to get back. So if I feel the need and the desire to run a gun because I feel like I am in danger all the time, they're going to push more on that me on the the feeling of me feeling like I'm in danger. That energy is what I'm going to get back. Oh yeah, so now we have to do everything. In, in a sense or a feeling where we have to be more cautious and we walk in our eggshells all day long. I'm not doing that. That's out. Mm-mm. So when you think about arming teachers, one point I want to think about is if teachers are already struggling with their content and the test scores prove it, how are we going to add something else to their plate in regards to arming teachers? So imagine I do professional development for math teachers. Who wants to do a professional development or training of teachers how to shoot a gun? And now I got to go get a license. I got to learn how to shoot the gun. I got to go to probably a good number of PDs in order to be able to carry my gun at school. Mm -mm, I ain't doing all that. But think about it. You said you had to get a license. Who's going to pay for your gun? Because if you get, think about a school issue computer, it's pretty much a generic computer. So you don't have the top of the line. So think about the type of gun you may get issued from your district. <laughs> your little ring. 30, gun. <laughs> little 25, 22 caliber. D kids coming in with D kids coming means. in with AR-15s. <laughs> so the school is issue you a 22. Yeah. All the kids coming in with AR-15s and AKs. Uh, off brand 22, and they have an AR-15. What do you, what do you what is that off brand twenty two going to do for you? I mean, it, I really don't know the difference between any of these guns you speak of. However, my guess is that this twenty two is a little rinky dink, Daddy. It's not going to do a whole lot. So my guess would be that okay, no, it doesn't compare to this the the AR or whatever. But at the same time, it is definitely going to provide more protection than you having absolutely nothing. I guarantee that, especially if somebody walks into a school and doesn't expect for teachers to have, you know, to, to, to be armed, 
it's definitely going to do more than you being, you know, just using your fist or not having any protection whatsoever. But I'm still not agreeing with it. So you say using your fist. I'm going to throw out some other things. There's some school districts, one arm, the teacher and students with rocks. They said throw rocks at an assailant to ward them off. Another district armed teachers with many baseball bats. You read that somewhere? Are you? Uh, oh, these are facts. These are facts. So Mill Creek, Mill Creek Township School District arms teachers with small baseball bats as a last resort. Who did the rocks? Blue Mountain School District would be arming teachers with a five-gallon bucket of landscaping stones in each classroom. So that wasn't just like a joke. This is actually happening. Listen here, Blue Mountain. No shades. Everybody got in Blue Mountain. But that sounds absolutely absurd. There is no way. So first of all, you're telling me that you want me to have the hand-eye coordination to be able to throw said rock. And in addition to that, in order for my students to throw these rocks, that means they have to expose themselves to the assailant instead of hiding. You bring a, a rock to a gunfight. Well, so so is the school did the school pay for this? To my the district to my this knowledge, sounds free to me. To my this knowledge, the district was going to arm them with the rocks or the baseball bats. We we need to proactively put more resources in supporting the children, the kids, instead of trying to figure out how we're going to defend them against a, a tragedy. Like, I mean, I think we're reaching with rocks and, and bats. Like, because, I mean, these guys are coming in with AR-15s, AK-47s, man. Like, 300 rounds. A, a, rock, a rock and a bat. I mean, these cats got 100 rounds in the drum. Like, I mean... I don't want to say it's almost comical, but it is. But I mean, that's the measure that we came up with. I mean, they're shooting people. They're not throwing rocks at the school. So Adam Winkler says there's no evidence to show that arming teachers will see a reduction of mass shootings. We've uh. seen them on campuses where there are armed security personnel. So if you think the armed security personnel, police that have been trained, and they're still having shootings. And they are trained for this every day. So imagine a teacher who's gone through a two-day professional development training going up against an armed shooter. I mean, the reality is that anybody that makes their way onto campus with a weapon and is able to proceed with shooting up a school, they have the element of surprise. Nobody saw it coming. In order for you to be able to use your weapon effectively, aka these rocks and these bats, you would have to see this coming before it actually came in order to be able to defend yourself. Nobody's going to see this happening. In addition to the fact that you can't be everywhere at the same time. So my mans might have made it to the boys' bathroom and started shooting in there. Who's in there with the gun? Nobody. So, I mean, I'm agreeing with Jay and talking about what are we going to actually do to support these kids so that the kids who are emotionally and mentally distraught coming in and bringing these weapons don't feel the need or the desire to do that because they have more support? You you hit a great point. So I, if you don't mind, can we park there for a minute? Like, what do we, I guess, can we talk about what we think the causes are that's causing these shootings? Like, why kids are One of the big in? things is mental health. 
So oh and we God. think about when schools are defunded, mental health mm-hmm. counselors are one of the first resources to go. What's the, do you know the why behind that? The why behind which part? Why the, like why are they the first ones to go? Like the mental health Because counselors. a lot of people do not feel guidance counselors and counselors are key personnel to running a school. A lot of people really? do not understand their value because to me, it's more of a soft skill. You don't really see their results. If I'm teaching math, I see the results in test scores. Yeah. If yeah, I'm yeah. doing other things, I can see tangible results. But when I'm sitting with a kid one-on-one having a discussion, how do I measure that and have something tangible to say I am valuable to the school? That's so absurd to me because that circle that we had last week with those 50 girls where 60% of them said that they needed somebody to talk to about their issues tells mm. me otherwise. What percentage was that? Uh, at least 60. But here's the thing, Lila. How, how can we document their issues? And I don't, I'm not a mental health counselor, mm. so how can we actually document that in a tangible way? Not just they need someone to talk to, but they need, let's say, an expert in the room to talk to a mental health counselor. I mean, I get it that it's difficult to measure the effectiveness or to measure the progress, but let's just, for instance, I got many of our girls, they're failing math right now because they got so many other things that they're thinking about and so many issues on their plate that they're like, you know what? I'm already struggling with this. There's no way I can put more energy and thought into this. But after we sat and had these conversations, they said, oh, Ms. Nur, like we can come and talk to you and we can actually discuss these things that we're feeling and going through. No, I'm not an expert. But just having that option to talk to somebody, there's more girls like, oh, I'm going to be in homework club on Monday, Ms. Nur. Oh, I'm going to be in office hours. They're not even my kids. I don't even teach these kids. I don't have ninth grade. Like when you think about all the issues that affect our students, and how they affect their day-to-day life. It affects their finances, it affects their emotional, it affects their mental, it affects their relationships, their interpersonal relationships. It affects everything about them when they have other things going on. And there is no way, and I don't care what you say, that I can focus on my academics when I'm thinking about the fact that my parents just got divorced or my dad just came down with cancer or the fact that I might be pregnant how? How am I going to think about math when I'm thinking about all these other things and I have no one to talk to about But should that responsibility fall on the teacher or an expert in the field of mental, of counseling? We need the counselors. Like, they're needed. It's not a want. It, it's, it's a need. I'd be obviously at this point. 60% of these people in this group are crying out for help. Like, they're kids. And they're asking for help. They're asking for assistance. So I realize there's not a tangible way to measure that, you know, but them wanting help or reaching out should be enough, I guess, in my opinion. And we need to figure out how can we keep the counselors in the school? Like, what is it going to take? It's an easy fix. We have to invest back into schools. Andrew Gillum has found a way to lessen corporate tax cuts by $1 billion, $1 billion, and they will still get like $5 billion in tax cuts. So he's only asking for $1 billion to invest in schools. That's where it comes from. How do, how do we invest in what we value? Or we don't, we don't value. Or, I mean, because see, 
yes, we need the actual personnel. Yes, we need the counselors. But my thing too is that, okay, let's say we don't have them. What do we do to allow our teacher or put our teachers in a position so that they're equipped or able to deal with these situations. I'm be honest, part of the reason why I became a teacher is so that I could do this. Like I live for the emotional. I live for sitting back and talking to people about their issues. Like, but I'm no expert. I don't have all the tools and the resources. I would love to have them, but I don't have them because that's not what I went to school for. So and on the flip side, how can we better prepare our teachers to handle situations instead of just saying, here's the phone number, here's who you direct them to. Here, send them to the counselor, send them to the principal. Well, we can't do that all the time. And I think differently. I don't think teachers should be prepared for it. Some teachers are struggling just to teach as it is. And if you're not an expert in that field of counseling, I don't think you should have that undue stress and strain. I think about some teachers and former colleagues, I wouldn't want them to coach my dog how to go outside and poop. Let alone- Absolutely not, but I would like to be have the option of, of being maybe a first point of contact where I can I can walk you through something because the problem is that a lot of students know there is no one so that means I talk to no one and I do nothing so instead of there being like because what you're saying is that it's all or nothing if we don't have a counselor then it's nobody to talk to at all so you're proposing let's say like an add-on endorsement for some teachers who can do it this is just something extra they can be a part of or a resource for students. Not all teachers, some teachers. Not all teachers, some teachers. If you're willing to lead or head the emotional wellness group, like in our Math for America PD on Saturdays, we have an emotional wellness group. We have a physical wellness group. We have a social wellness group to say, hey, you know, we're going to have an emotional wellness group Wednesdays after school for us to sit down and talk about some of these things that we're going through and what we're feeling. I don't think it requires for me to be an absolute expert. Um, I, I, I have the tools to be able to, to, you know, redirect students in an area if it feels like it's way too out of my scope. But I feel like I should be able to be a resource or a point of contact for kids if that's something that I choose to do. And I feel like there should be a handful of those teachers on every campus. As we wrap up this topic, coordinated research and practice efforts that effectively address and prevent violence among youth and in school spaces are urgently needed. Keeping schools safe must be an educational and public health priority. With that statement, what are you all's final thoughts in regards to arming teachers? I think it's a reactive approach. I mean, we really need prevention. I mean, mental health, uh, and we hit on a lot of the topics, but I think we're being reactive when we're talking about arming school teachers. That's not their job. Um, they have so much other stuff on their plate um, educationally that they need to focus on, rather than being someone to, to stop a, a school shooter coming in and, and help them prevent a tragedy. I think it's just being reactive. Absolutely. I agree with Jay. It's we don't need to be responding to the things that are happening. We need to be trying to prevent them, absolutely. And, and I'm always be the advocate and I'm always push for the mental health sector that we don't provide enough mental health support in our schools for students as well as teachers, as well as administrators and everybody else. They're, arming people just sounds stupid to me. I'm gonna just say it, it sounds stupid. <laughs> I totally agree with Lila. I think arming teachers is a dumb idea. I think we need to look at more mental health counseling 
and we can have armed security personnel within the school, but how do we prevent it from starting in the first place? If we think about guns and gun laws, we need to crack down on gun laws. There also needs to be clear policies on guns. I remember former President Barack Obama said there was a law on the books which prevented the one of the governmental agencies from studying gun crimes. Just because of the NRA's backing of guns, they won't even let you study the phenomenon. So I think even within our schools, I think these are great topics when we think about teaching math for social justice to talk about. Let's study school shootings. Let's study arming teachers. Statistically, what happens? Does it work? Does it not work? And we really need to have an honest conversation, but we need to, if we want to keep schools safe, policies that need to be enacted and funding needs to be done to keep schools safe and not arming teachers with an off-brand 22 pistol. That's so specific. <laughs> As we think about arming teachers and that off-brand 22 pistol that is so specific, one of the things on the Inspiring Educators podcast, as we discuss these hot topics, topics that we know our listeners are discussing, topics that we know are real and relevant to the world, we like to take always take a moment and have an inspirational moment as educators, your lives and weeks go up and down, up and down, but we want to bring some positivity every week. This week, we have an inspirational moment brought to the one and only Jadrian Grimes. Thanks, Chris. I'll be brief. Um, I coach youth football here in Atlanta, and I was uh, sitting around talking to a number of different coaches uh, that coach, some coach on the high school level, some coach um, on the college collegiate level. Um, and, and one of the coaches made a statement that really just, um, I guess I'll say rubbed me the wrong way, uh, for lack of better words. Um, he was talking about his day-to-day -day activities at school and what was going on at the high school that he coached at. Um, and the comment that he made was, is they don't pay me to like the kids. That's what he said. They don't pay me to like the kids. So a couple of us chimed in. Of course, I had to chime in because this is what I do know, just, you know, navigating through life period and being a student once before and still just being a student of life. Um, kids and people don't learn from people that they don't like. I'm a firm believer that if, if they don't like you, they can't attach themselves to you or something. You can't motivate them or inspire them in some way or they don't like you, period. They're not going to learn anything. Um, me growing up in Damascus, Georgia, average household income, $18,646. That's with two people in the house working and two kids. Teachers were, educators were extremely instrumental in my success today. My reason I went to college, because they helped hold me accountable. Um, a lot of the people in my neighborhood did things that I don't think I need to mention right now, but they wasn't in the positive light, I guess, if you will. Those were the only examples I had to emulate. That's all I had. So if it wasn't for educators like uh, uh, Betty Henderson, Eric Harris, Ms. Pam Powell, Karen McNeil, uh, Coach Parrish, Coach Isom, Coach Folsom, inspired me every day, pushing me every day, holding me accountable, telling me that I will be great one day, I will be successful, holding me accountable to my grades, getting to know my parents, my parents getting to know them, I wouldn't be in the position that I'm in today. I said all that to say that every single child or kid in America, in the world, 
needs a champion, somebody that believes in them. Us as educators see these children every single day. And we literally have an opportunity to change the trajectory of children's lives. So making a statement, they don't pay me to like the kids, it's much bigger than you. It's much bigger than us. The main thing is the main thing, and that's the children. Um, believe in your students, connect with them on a real personal level. Saying you don't, they don't pay you to like them, I know you have to love it. Everyone's heard the cliche statement, too much is given, much is required, right? Well, educators, the same thing goes for us. It may get tough, it may get hard, but just know every single day that you go in that classroom, you have an opportunity to inspire, motivate, and literally change your trajectory of someone else's life. And with that being said, I'm so thankful for the Pam Piles, the Karen McNeil, the Coach Parishes, the Coach Folsom that really drove me and pushed me every single day on the athletic fields in the classroom. So every kid needs a champion. Educators keep doing a phenomenal job every single day. And thank you so much for what you're doing every day. Good stuff, good stuff. As you think about what Jadron just challenged you all with, we have two challenges for you this week. Be an ear for at least one student. Just be an ear for one student. The second challenge, speak life into one student. So listen to one of your students and speak life into one of your students. And make sure you reach out to us on the hashtag inspiring educators and let us know how you're doing in regards to that challenge. Final words for the Inspiring Educators podcast, Jadron and Lila. Yes, since we uh, talked about being armed, um, instead of being armed with guns, I think teachers are already armed. Um, they're armed with knowledge, plenty of life lessons, know-how, passion, motivation, drive, and skill. Those are your bullets. So put those in your mental guns every single day and motivate and inspire these kids to be the best individual that they can be. Use those things as bullets. And that metaphor, was that a metaphor analogy? You went deep. Um, <laughs> I got to keep going with it, though. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so <laughs> my bullets is jokes. I stay armed <laughs> Come through with the jokes, people. Like we talked about, what was it, last week, week before? I can't keep track no more. Come through with the jokes. Because even in the midst of our circle last week, I was still cracking jokes. Like, we crying, but we're going to giggle a little bit because it's getting a little too heavy for me. Um, fill, fill, up, fill up your mental gun, as Coach Jay said, uh, with your bullets of knowledge and jokes. And ah, Sorry, I'm just, I went into the, <laughs> the regional mode. <laughs> and I leave every educator listening to the podcast with this. To the world, you may be one person, but to one person, you may be the world. This has been the Inspiring Educators Podcast. We'll see you on the next episode. We out. See you. Thanks for the support. Yeah. Keep listening. <laughs> Y'all so deep. <laughs> Stuff. We out.